0: All right. Awesome. Fierce marriage listeners. We have a treat for you today. We have Matt Hammett.
1: Yep. From the band Sanctus Real. He wrote the song Lead Me.
0: Yes. So he's pretty famous. He's kind of, yeah, he's done a lot of really. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. uh, Although he's not here to talk about music. (laughs) He's here to talk about (laughs) marriage because God used, honestly, he used Matt's success to kind of. Uh, get at his heart and help him reorder his priorities. Mm. And it's just, it was his story is one of radical transformation, Mm. radical change. And not only that, he's a really great guy to talk to. It was really nice. Super
1: wise. Yeah. And I, it's, I mean, career is career, right? It's, you don't have to be a onstage singer or band songwriter to, uh, experience God's pull at your heart, right. And transformation in terms of like your identity. And I think we all can get wrapped up in, in what we do Mm. and the roles that we have, Uh, and that can lead us away from, you know, the heart of God in a lot of ways. And so this is, he's super articulate, a great podcast episode. So looking forward to sharing it with you.
0: Yeah. So if any of that kind of hits a sore spot for you, make sure you listen to this one. You're bound to learn something that's bound to bless you. So here we go. Matt Hammett. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have Matt Hammett with us on the podcast. Matt, how you doing? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, You came very highly regarded. I know So a lot of our listeners probably know of your past work in in a band. What band were you a part of?
2: Yeah, so I was in a band called Sanctus Real for 20 years, which is so crazy. Uh, We spent 15 of those years with Sparrow Records.
0: Wow, and I feel like 20 years in band years is probably like 60 years of anything else, right? <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, it's uh it's
2: it, it's rough on the especially in the early <laughs> days and you're in the van and trailer uh sleeping, you know, between fifteen passenger seats and all that. That's it's hard on the body, but
0: uh yeah, it's it, it's an adventure for sure. I feel like Christian music isn't I mean, we could probably have a whole podcast episode about Christian, <laughs> music, Christian music, but um, th- it kind of gets a bad rap, right? Because it's all—it's kind of like the CCM stuff and and all that kind of like typical whatever chords, like three chord songs, all that kind of stuff. But I will say, for some of the fringe genres, I feel like Christian music has absolutely le- uh, led the charge, right? So like, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, would you agree with
2: that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I th- I think it's like anything, man. The weird the weird part about Christian music is that it's kind of all the flavors in one basket you know so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like man some people could say well i like a certain genre of music but it's weird when the genre includes every genre <laughs> per yeah. se it's like <laughs> the genre is more the message than the style of music so i think that is the hard part it's just like yeah. okay you may or may not like everything you hear in the genre mm. but part of that's because it's so diverse you know yeah but uh, yeah. but i i agree man like there like there's a lot of artists who are stepping up and making some good stuff,
0: especially in like the the ironically death metal Christian death metal. <laughs> it's awesome. Dude, sorry. Dude, it really is, man. It's incredible. It really is, honestly. And they're skilled yeah, musicians, he, but yeah. Yeah,
2: I got a buddy who's a drummer for Demon Hunter. Oh and, yes, uh, dude, yeah, Yogi man, and here yeah, that dude can oh he can play, and and they, oh. they pack the house.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I could talk about that for for the length of the podcast, but I think I think we'll probably do something <laughs> marriage related from here on. Out. There you go. So, good. so you wrote a book, right? And it's it, it, the we want to hear kind of the story. Where did the book come from? And and really, what uh, what welled up in your heart specifically through sanct your years with Sanctus Real and the effect it had on you as a as a young husband and a father. I mean, you were you were with the band for so long. It just kind of spans all those critical moments in a young person's life. So why did you write this book and the book is called lead me and where's that title come from just give us kind of the story behind the story story. (laughs) yeah
2: sure yeah so um you know when i was 19 uh we started getting uh there's two things that happened uh obviously sanctus real was already banned for several years because we started in high school um but then we get started getting record deal offers and i met my wife and in 2001 (laughs) we did we did uh we signed a record deal and then me, uh, me and Sarah got married. And so it was like we went on the road together as newlyweds for four years. She was so gracious. She helped us with the merchandise and she slept in the, the back of the van, you know, with me with a bunch of dudes and, and I'm sure it was horrible. It's a good wife right there. It. That is I gold know, right? right there. <laughs> <Totally>. Oh, man. <laughs> and so, but from day one, I can honestly say I really felt that tension very, and every man does, every marriage does, men and women both feel that tension between career dreams and family dreams, mm-hmm. and and maybe I didn't know how to articulate all that at the time. You know, I was just feeling that tension and that restlessness. Um, four years into touring, Sarah got pregnant with our first uh, child, a little girl named Emmy, who's crazy enough fourteen this month. Um, oh wow! And yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, she left the road and that's when it really ramped up for me. That's when like the tension started getting thick, thicker, mm. you know? It was like now she wasn't with me, now she was gone. Now I'm I'm away 200 days out of the year mm. and she's at home almost feeling like a single mom and you know, it's like, "Hey, I married you to be with you and I like you and I want to be around <laughs> you." And so, long story short, um that distance, that tension led to a lot of struggles in our communication and conflict resolution and, and definitely was the starter for a lot of fires, you know, in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, at some point around seven years, my wife just sat me down for kind of a really more of a formal, like instead of one of these blow ups where like you keep everything pent up and then you go at each other. She yep. was like, hey, you know, know, let's just sit, sit <laughs> down. I need to talk to you and the 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 thing about that that was different for me was that i didn't see her her expressed as anger mm-hmm. i just saw her heart mm-hmm. and through tears she told me the things that she needed for me as a husband to be more present mentally emotionally spiritually mm-hmm. and my defenses kind of crumbled and that day after that conversation um because she was hurting man and she I could see where she was. It was not a good place. I picked up my guitar that day and I wrote the first draft of a song called "Lead Me," and mm. in that day, you know, that began what I call this "Lead Me" journey. That's what I call it now, where I I realized that all my good intentions that I'd had my whole life about the kind of man I wanted to be and now the kind of husband and father I wanted to be, mm. those good intentions were worthless to anyone but me until they became actions, and so. I just kind of embraced that message and obviously I didn't change overnight. My marriage didn't change overnight, but one small step at a time, uh, I started kind of embracing that message more and more in my life. And that song went on to in 2010 to come out and, uh, um, become a number one song. But I mean, (laughs) there's a lot more going on there. You know, by the time that song came out, we were pregnant with our third baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found out that that baby was going to need multiple open heart surgeries after he was born. Mm-hmm. So lead me goes to number one on the charts. I have everything I wanted from a career standpoint um, or being asked to do every major tour. You know, it's like, it's all working. This dream that we worked so hard now for, for, you know, 14 years at that point. Mm-hmm. And then the day it hits number one, I'm at my son's bedside after his open heart surgery fighting for his life cause he's barely hanging on. Mm. And you can imagine wow. I'm feeling now the tension of this message. And then that five months for five months, we were in the hospital. And then I had, what did I have to do after that? I took five months off work. I had to go back and provide for my family. And here's the irony of the whole thing. And then we can move on. Um, the irony of this story is that the very song that I wrote about being a better and more present husband and father, the success of that song is what pulled me further and farther away from home than I'd ever been. Mm. And so that's kind of the the springboard from where this entire story, more than just a song, where Leave Me comes from.
0: Hmm. Wow. Okay. So that was, you said, 2010 when that happened. Yeah. Mm. So we're 10 years later, roughly. Um, So where are you today? And what, I mean, what, I'm sure this is encapsulated in the book, right? But where are you today as a father, husband, um, and musician, I guess, now an author? But where, yeah, how's that, how's that fall?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so after five years of just real struggle between me and Sarah, learning some hard lessons, thinking I was getting closer to having it all together when I wrote Lead Me, to watching it all almost fall apart. Mm -hmm. Um, And and again, that's all in the book, man. I It's the nitty gritty. I I gave all the dirt in the book uh, so people can see just what it was like for us. It was so difficult for several years um, after the song came out and me coming to the realization that, you know what? I'm singing the song every night. And there were times on Winter Jam Tour or Casting Crowns where I had 10,000 to 15,000 people a night singing every word of that song back to me. Mm. And it just was like a weight because I knew I wasn't living it. And ultimately, Mm. I really felt God just saying like, hey, uh, you need to to sing the song less and live it more. And I made the hard decision in 2015 Mm. to give one more year to Sanctus Real. And then I stepped away. Um, knowing that my call which is kind of where i am now that my call was to take this message i've been given um, first to live it with all my heart the best i can day by day and then to walk alongside other men and marriages and families to try mm-hmm. to do whatever i can to to steward this this message that god has put in my heart and unfold that and and so this is in the last few years i've still I do music, I still perform some, I still write a lot of songs. I write for other artists that you hear on the radio. Um, but, you know, primarily I'm writing and and speaking on this issue um of the struggles that we all face in in marriage and family. It's not easy and and uh and, and I just I love being able to share my story to let people know they're not alone uh in whatever way, shape or form God allows me to. Mm.
1: That's so good. I I feel like we should. I don't know why we didn't ask Sarah to be on the podcast as well. I'm a little, I'm a little sad. Maybe she's busy with the four kids. I don't probably, know. probably. <laughs> but maybe we need to have. Yeah, them she's back upstairs.
2: Again. She's upstairs in the bonus room trying to keep the boys quiet right now. Oh, so yeah. you know, <laughs> Next time, next time we'll get a, we'll get a sitter or have, when when the girls are here and uh, we'll definitely have her on. Yeah. So you let us know. We'll do it.
1: Definitely, definitely. Because, I mean, just from you know just hearing from her perspective of how did she communicate to you, you know, in a way that wasn't nagging, that wasn't self-righteous, that wasn't, you know, fear-based or anything like how people are always asking us, like, I don't know how to approach some of those hard conversations of he's working too much, or I feel like we're not connecting, or I don't even know where to start, you know, how do I even begin these conversations, um, And I love that you said you heard her heart more than anything. And yes, that's probably like the work of the Holy Spirit, right? In our, in each of us. And um, there's softness there that, that God is, I think, you know, he tenderizes us in some ways, Um, but yeah, maybe, I mean, you can just share a little bit of your perspective from her. Just when you said you heard her heart, like how did that transpire in those moments, I guess? Totally.
2: The funny thing is, is that, you know, I, I get people, especially women come up still all the time. When I'm at events or or if I sing that song somewhere, let's say, Hey, can you just tell me what was it that she said to you that day? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and they're yes, like oh, yeah. thinking <laughs> I'm gonna hand them like the golden key to their husband's right. heart. You know? <laughs> and uh the funny thing is that if you were to ask Sarah, like what what was it exactly you said to him that day, she'd say, I don't totally remember because I right. said it a thousand times before and he didn't listen. Mm. And <laughs> And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's, that's just real. It's honest. Sure. Like, it took those seeds being planted in me to be able to break it down to a point where I could open my ears and my heart. And mm-hmm. Sadly, it kind of took seeing her to breaking point. And mm-hmm. I hate saying that now, you know, I try to, that that's kind of like my goal now is to not obviously let it get there. Right. Like you try mm-hmm. to address, address it. Like instead of, you know, it's a proactive, sure. uh, you know, instead of being so reactive and we that's, finally got yeah. in a place. But mm. I will say the thing for me, um, you know, it, it was about presence. I remember mm. her saying to me, you're here, but you're not here. Mm. I think that's a common feeling, right. That, that women have yeah. like this, we're distracted by work and all yeah. things going on. But I would definitely say we, the, the thing, and maybe I already mentioned it, but I'll say it again. The thing really was, So often, I think, and as I'm talking with guys, we sometimes miss our wives' hearts because sometimes we wait to say what needs to be said until it's at that that, that snapping point. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: then when we see anger, it shuts us down. So we actually are blind to the heart because all we see is the secondary emotion, right? The mask, the facade of anger. And Mm -hmm. when I saw her heart, without the anger in front of it, that was when I could really press in and feel that I had a safe place to move in towards her. Mm. And, and so I do think that those are, and those are still the miracle moments that we experience, that are the best moments in our marriage. You know, we still have the problem where like she sometimes lashes out about her feelings in a way that's, that, that's angry and I get defensive. Um, but those are such beautiful moments when we do peel back those layers and see each other for who we really are. Mm. And we're working so harder than ever to try to do that for each other, to mm. peel back all that extra junk that stands in the way so that we can create the safe zone to be known mm. for exactly who we are and how we're feeling.
1: It's so good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm, i want 100% just in awe of, of our faithful God who works kind of in our hearts and kind of let it mount to that point, right, to where you could hear it in a way that was actually going to move you forward. I, I can't help but think, though, um, and I'm, I might ask you, this might be a tough question, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because uh, there's a lot of that's kind of being presupposed, right, in this conversation, meaning that, like, a, a healthy family is good, being present with your family is good. All that stuff sounds really obvious. Right. But it's kind of contrary um, to maybe the, the, the kind of subversive cultural message. Right. And so I guess I want to ask you this question. And someone someone once said uh, to me, I forget who it was. It's probably someone smart wrote it in a book or something, but they said uh, the essence of sin or every sin is just disordered love. Right. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of husbands struggle with this, with bad priorities, with disordered love in these ways. So, in that moment, this is the question I was going to ask you is would you say um, that you were actively sinning against your wife? And how did that hit your heart, or has it hit your heart in that way? And would you say that a husband who, who is living now in that current situation is actually sinning against his wife?
2: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I feel like I sin every day yeah. in my impatience against my wife mm. and kids, I grieve over it, man. Like mm-hmm. even, even just yesterday, my wife and I were talking, like we're working on these creative projects and it's like, it's so easy for me to, to snip, you know, at, at the kids <laughs> when like they're interrupting me while I'm trying to be creative, or, you know, like yeah. we're bouncing ideas together. I, I yeah, absolutely. I, I do think, you know, the Bible calls us um, to put aside any kind of talk that tears each other down um and and you know our attitudes that stand in the way of of love and mm. um you know i think the biggest issue is that we're afraid to recognize and i'm still this way i mean sarah tells me all the time you know like man you just just own it right own it own what, <laughs> what you're going through own your attitude just you can fight it and say well it's not really bad or it's not that bad or it's like the more you you learn to own it the smoother it all becomes because you don't have to live in this shame of like i think that's the big thing for guys we're we're hard on ourselves Hmm. we're shame based and so we can allow our faults to stand in our way um, because we're afraid to admit them, because if we admit them, then it's like this admission that we're weak and we already feel weak. And it's like, it's scary sometimes, but mm. then it's like, once you own it and just say, yeah, you know what? It It is sinful. It's wrong for me to, to act this way or to not hear my wife mm. or be loving towards her or understanding towards her. Then it's like, okay, cool. You know what? Wow. We can move on. You yeah. can own it and move on. If you don't own it, it becomes the great obstacle.
0: Instead. Yeah and i okay. i was um transparency i mean that's been our kind of like it's been so pivotal in, in our marriage mm-hmm. and that's kind of the whole premise of fierce marriage is just living in the light and walking in the light um and in on that note i was on a business trip with a it was like i, I do web stuff and i was i was in chicago with a, with somebody i'd met a new associate we were going out to dinner and he um as we're driving he had kids and we, we Selena was pregnant with our first daughter mm-hmm. and i was in the car with them and i said Hey Amen. Okay, any advice? Like, what what advice do you have? I'm, you know, we've been married going on ten years, but we had a kid on the way. What's your advice? And he looked at me, and he, I'll never forget it. It was so transformational. <laughs> he said, "They would they would rather live with you in a tent than without you in a mansion," and that mm, just hit me so good. like a ton of bricks. And that's everything you're saying, but it totally recalibrated the sense. Like, I don't have to have, like, if I want to love my, if my priorities are kingdom priorities, right? Then, and I care about the right things, meaning my family, my wife, my kids and providing for them. And then I don't have to have all the stuff or the status or anything like that. But sometimes you don't have that luxury. And so, like, the question I have for you now is, what do you what, what advice do you give to the husband who's like, Yeah, I totally agree. But if I don't show up on at 8am, and I don't leave late, because everybody's watching, and I need the I need, you know, I need to get I need to please my bosses and my coworkers. Otherwise, my job I might lose my job, or I have to travel for work, and that's just I can't get out of this job. What are some steps that a that a husband can take in an effort um, to kind of rebalance that area of his life, even if he feels trapped?
2: Yeah, um, I I guess it's hard to say, right? Because what are those decisions, those hard decisions are are different for everybody. You know, for me, I actually yeah. left my career. Mm-hmm. And I, obviously not everybody can do that. Um, not everybody will choose to do that, even if they should do that. Um, but what I can say is, and as you you know, like just starting with some, some realizations that can change your heart to move you towards the right decisions. And I think one of the most transformational ideas, um, I mean, obviously beyond scripture, like just practical things I've ever heard someone say to me is Dr. Henry Cloud. He says, "Character is about the ability to meet the demands of reality."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we all have our own reality. But what it, it, when you really understand, like what is required of me, and can I can I step up and meet that challenge, meet the demands? And so for me, I think I think it starts with the reality check. Um, number one, that you're, we all have these desires and we think, we, we think about what's most important to us. Um, I, I, I'm trying to decide what to say here cause I don't want to ramble on. I want to choose my no. words carefully. No, um, I would say two things really quick. Number one, I would say so many of us have an internal dialogue of how we view ourselves and how we think other people view us. You know, I look at it like I bought this, this workout ball from Target. And, um, it's like more like an octagon with flat sides, black with yellow letters. And it has like all these different exercises on it. It's just a throw it on the ground, right? Whatever you, pops up like dice, like it tells you what to do. You do it. So I had this in the back seat of my car and I saw it every single day. I looked down at it, it said 30 sit-ups and I looked at it for two months sitting in the back of my car. And in my mind, I did those 30 sit-ups and I kind of <laughs> felt good about myself. And I was like, man, I've got to use this thing. What's well, just sitting in my car. So I bring it in my house, sits in my mudroom for another two months, ups is facing me. And in my mind, I'm like I'm getting ripped on my good intentions. Like every day I'm envisioning myself working out and I feel good about owning this thing. Mm. But it's just an idea. It's just a visualization. It's an imagination of who I really am, not who anybody else actually sees me to be because there's no real results. And I think so often we look at all the things or imagine ourselves doing the things that we want to be doing to be a better husband, be a better father, be a better uh, man of faith, you know, a follower of Christ. And, and we've got to like, stop and go, am I actually the person that mm-hmm. I perceive myself to be? And, and so I think it starts the reality check mm-hmm. there. And then another reality check for me, the biggest reality check is this, and I, this is the encouragement I would give to any guy out there who's struggling with this. And with wealth, fame, career, all that stuff, there are a thousand people behind you in line waiting for your job, wanting your job, and and they will will never be sad to see you go. And the hard truth about that is that when you move on from your career and somebody else takes your place, the world will go on without you.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Maybe people Mm -hmm. will, will like, remember, think of you fondly, like, Appreciate your gifts while they're on display, but the world will go on and most likely most people will forget you in that role. Mm. But your husband, I'm sorry, your wife has one husband, your kids have one father Mm. without you in that role. There is forever a painful void. And I think putting it in perspective that way and remembering that what's the reality of what I'm prioritizing, man, it's hard to do, but it's a daily exercise Mm -hmm. to really look at what
0: matters. And so good. uh it reminds me of um psalm ninety twelve says Lord teach me to number my days that I might gain a heart of wisdom. Don't quote me on that verse yeah. reference, but I know that's what the verse says <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> um, but numbering our days and and obviously it's nobody can like you can't predict how many days you're going to have until you die. That would be terrifying, right, but we can have a sober view of our own limits, our own finitude, our own like we're not omniscient, we're not omnipresent we have kind of this Western complex, right? Because we're connected on the internet, we feel like we can know everything, right? We can be everywhere, and yeah. so much of that is—it's a, a just a bald-faced lie, right? We need to accept the fact that I am one person. I have a small calling. I'm a cog in this massive work that God is doing, and I need to just play my role faithfully for my family, and you know, and keep those priorities um, in check. There, while you were talking again, I just want to go back to Proverbs because while you're talking, this came to mind. Um, and, and it's, I don't know, it's it's about just God is graciously revealing to us um, this sweet spot in our lives, mm-hmm. right? Because we so often get out of balance. But it says, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. This is Proverbs 30, verses 7 remove far from me false, falsehood and lying give me neither poverty nor riches feed me with the food that is needful for me lest i be full and deny you and say who is the lord or lest i be poor and steal and profane the name of my god so it's about this mm. idea of it's, it's seeing just like c- seeing correctly with right priorities and yeah. asking god god give me exactly what i need give me a hunger for exactly what is healthful for me so that i might uh glorify you and not profane you. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I feel yeah. like it, for a, for a husband who's maybe wrestling with this, I think that's maybe a good prayer to start with. It's mm-hmm. just, God help me see these areas. Right. I think every husband, if you're listening to this, you probably care about your marriage. If you're a wife and you're listening to this, your husband, you might, may or may not feel like your husband is actually in tune with the, what maybe his career is doing to your family. But uh, I think starting with that prayer is probably the best, I don't know, best place to start. We yeah, so. yeah I, mean, man, I, I
1: love that. Yeah, I have just one more question before probably our final question about that. We always ask everybody, but I have one question before that. Um, What how did how did your wife help you transition or how how did you know, I mean, that's a huge transition. You say these words and I'm like, I think of, you know, all mm. the concerts, all the people, all the, you know, everything and it's an identity it's a huge and music has that pull on your heart in a in a unique way i think than than other things i think it it can easily wrap your identity more than others and the fame anyways there's a lot of pitfalls there how did how did your wife love you through that how did she lead you in some sense maybe and if she did and how does how can a wife support in that role or maybe even a husband but whoever is in that role of okay I see him or her making those steps. I want to love them well through this. What would you say to that that person from your wife's example?
2: Man, I think that there was kind of a surprise in in that process for us. And so leading up to making that decision, I feel like the way that Sarah loved me um, so well was fighting to bridge the gap between us. Mm. Like what I saw is her fighting against me mm. for so long. I realized was her fighting for me because okay. she thought that our marriage was worth it. Mm. And and so like I, the interesting part about that is once my heart really embraced that this woman was fighting for me and not against me, and I made the decision about what I needed to do um, to prioritize them by stepping away. I mean, I honestly, like God just did a miracle in me where he allowed me to take this thing over 20 years that in a way, you know, that that I'd built with with my friends Mm -hmm. and just hand it back and say, it was never mine to begin with. Mm -hmm. And and I was able to let it go. I don't know how I'm not saying that to to toot my own horn because it was a problem of mine for so long. It was almost Mm -hmm. like a healing for me. Mm. Um, the surprise and all that was once I left the band, Sarah realized that her identity had been caught in it as well. Interesting. And she started saying like, this is, it was almost more painful for the, for her than for me, because Mm. she had never realized that her identity was in it until I was gone so is where I kind of did that grappling ahead of time to make the decision, she had that realization later. And so what happened is it was an actually an opportunity for me to step up and not be wavering and be strong and confident in my decision and where God was leading our family and to actually take that role and, and, and lead where God was calling me. Awesome. And so and it was it turned into a really beautiful way for me to be able to take the first step in this mm. leading that I was called to do.
1: That's awesome. And then just that just, you know, as a wife, I would imagine that builds her confidence and trust in you in this new kind of reality that you guys are finding yourselves in, which is only a work and beautiful work of God, right? Yeah, yeah. you're
2: absolutely right. I definitely felt that, like, when she had those moments of, are you
1: sure you made the right
2: decision? Are we sure we don't <laughs> be? And, and, you know, I'm like, absolutely 100%. Oh, man. You're Man. right. Like yeah. she, I did feel that kind of trust. Her leaning in me more than she ever had before, and and it felt like this is what God had for part of what God had for us here.
1: Yeah, mm. so good, so good.
0: Anytime you step out in faith like that, when it's in, it's uh it's informed by wisdom and prayer and counsel and agreement, like it, it hurts, right? Because there's this uncertainty yeah. of what is God, how is this going to work? But I I can't say, and that maybe you'll you'll agree, but anytime we've stepped out in faith, Selena, it's always been really scary, but also like, I would never change it. Right. right. Even in hindsight, right. Even if it failed uh, spectacularly, right. God <laughs> would still use it somehow. So you were we yeah. wouldn't regret it. So I, I would, it sounds like you'd probably say the same thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Hey, there's one more thing to have thought of while yeah. we are talking about this um, issue of, of standing where God, you know, leading where God is taking us and standing firm on that. Um, you know, an interesting transition for us out of that, was, and I think this goes too for people who are kind of very career focused and struggle to find, you know, to, to prioritize family. Um, when there's something I, I speak for a family life weekend to remember conferences a few times a year. And one of the things in their guidebook that I love, it talks about, you know, being a husband and father and how when we neglect our responsibilities at home, how we force our wives and children to learn to live without us. Mm-hmm. And and that was also a really healing thing for us because I've been gone so much that in a way she was forced to learn to live without me. So then once I was there she had I had to rebuild that trust that mm-hmm. I could be there, that she could rely on me. You know, and that's an important trust to have
0: in a marriage, any marriage relationship. Maybe that's why she was asking if it was the right decision or not. Because you were home all of a sudden, and she's like, "Are you sure you should be?" Here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's
2: like, "She's like, because I've been thinking.
1: I
0: kind of liked it when you were out there a little more.
1: Uh, it was a more familiar reality, right? And during that transition, yeah. <laughs> that's all.
0: Yeah. So Aww. we have one, one more question we like to ask it's all of our of guests, one, yeah. and it's, it's fun, and it's just and And you actually have an advantage because your wife's not here I was Sarah's like, we'll not have here to ask with Sarah
1: next time we get them on
0: <laughs> but um what uh what's your favorite i guess favorite date favorite date right? there's not another mm-hmm. yeah so Our most memorable what's your most memorable or favorite date that you guys have ever been on? oh
2: man, so um Sarah and I actually love the mountains, so we still look so fondly uh, on the well several times we've been to the mountains together. But uh, we took our our honeymoon up in the Sleeping Bear Dunes up in uh, Traverse City, near Traverse City, Michigan, Mm. up in a little cabin. Um, I actually have some really funny stories about it in the uh, in the book. Um, (laughs) But but that to us is like the ideal getaway. Some people love the beach and we like the beach. okay. but we love the mountains.
0: It's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we have. Have you 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 have toured all over the 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 world, probably. So you've probably been to Washington State. We have Mount Rainier and all that kind of stuff.
2: Oh, I love it up there. I was just up in Bend, Oregon. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, even that, even that. I love that town so much. And Seattle's actually one of my favorite cities uh top five for me i
0: love it out there awesome well if you're over here next time make sure you hit us up we'll take you we'll take us to the best spots best mountain spots anyway well matt thank you so much man thanks for joining us thanks for taking time to uh teach us and and kind of give us a peek into your life uh lead me right lead me the book it's finding courage to find your marriage children and faith uh where should where should folks go to find that book
2: yeah so if you go to my website. you can just, you can connect all my socials. I'm just Matt Hammett everywhere. It's just my name with my last name has two M's and two T's um, oh. on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and then matthammett.com. So awesome. people can find everything uh, about us there.
0: Awesome. Great. Once again, Matt, thank you so much for, for the interview. Thanks for talking to us. And please do thank Sarah on our behalf for yes. holding down the fort while you can, <laughs> so you could talk to her. an important yes.
2: job. It it is. Is. It we is. look
1: forward to having her yes
0: yes until next Appreciate time thanks again guys, Matt definitely. All right. hey guys we really hope you enjoyed this interview with Matt Hammett uh, as we mentioned during the interview if you want to find more information about Matt and his resources you can simply go to matthammett.com two m's two t's other than that we hope you have a very blessed week take care Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit fiercemarriage.com, or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care.